Good evening, I'm Martin Bang, and here's what's crashing through the news barrier. American troops go coconuts in Admiralty Island's assault. Deerfield's deadly sleepover with the French. And Aristide evicted, Haiti's Game of Thrones continues. Remember, if it's news and it's bang, it's news bang. Stay tuned for the truth with a twist of lies. News Bang, unveiling the veil of lies one thread at a time. 1944. 1944, and Allied forces had their sights set on Los Negros Island. Why? Because it was the third largest in the Admiralty Islands and home to a rather nice airport. It was all part of that global punch-up called World War II, which involved everyone barring Ringo Starr. The Yanks stormed the beach at Honiara, facing stiff resistance from the Axis powers, not to be confused with the supervillain collective of the same name. Eyewitnesses described sheer bedlam as bullets flew like disgruntled parrots and bombs fell like overripe mangoes. Private Dirk Griswold recalled, I landed under heavy fire, my landing craft hit a coral reef and I found myself knee-deep in sharks. With his ammo wetter than Neptune's trousers, he single-handedly took out three pillboxes using only a coconut and some chewing gum. Meanwhile, on nearby Manus Island, natives looked on in terror as Allied forces fought for control of their precious runway, essential for exporting monkeys to organ grinders worldwide. 1704 In 1704, French and Native American forces decided they'd had enough of Deerfield, Massachusetts. They stormed the sleepy town with an axe to grind and a tomahawk up their sleeve. The raid was so vicious it still haunts the history books as the Deerfield Massacre, or Le Terror de Bambi as the French called it. More than 50 colonists were dispatched quicker than you could say Sacre Bleu. 112 unlucky survivors were taken hostage and whisked off to Montreal via Canoe Express, where they faced a choice. Ransom or adoption by Mohawk families. Either way, no one emerged with their fur trade intact. Eyewitnesses described harrowing scenes of barrels being scraped clean, loincloths around ankles, while terrified squirrels watched on from tinderboxes high in the trees. The massacre marked another bloody skirmish in the War of the Spanish Succession. Historians now agree Philip V wasn't worth it. Today, Deerfield is a peaceful ghost town, I mean Hamlet, population 5,090, according to last year's flint carving census. It does. 2004. More breaking news. It's the year 2004, and Haitian President Jean-Bertrand Aristide has been overthrown by a group of irate mattress salesmen. Formerly a Silesian priest, Father Flipperpants was known for his pro-democracy stance and love of fried chicken. His rise to power in 1990 was met with celebrations across the land, as he promised to putting jam on all baguettes. However, his regime soon soured as rumours emerged that he had an iron hand in a velvet glove that belonged to someone else. As rebel forces took control of key cities such as Miami Nights and Porto Pringle, Aristide's grip on power softened faster than weak old Brie. Clinging desperately onto his pina colada glass, he finally resigned and fled to South Africa. Whether they asked him or not is still unclear. A spokesman said, President Wiggy is heartbroken but wishes the new corrupt dictatorship well. News bang, unravelling the threads of deceit one fact at a time. And now, 
a Moroccan-inspired weather forecast from our resident meteorological maestro, Shakanaka Giles. Tomorrow, we're in for a bit of a Moroccan throwback. But don't worry, it's not the earthquake of 60. Instead, imagine the skies are playing a game of tribute with a gentle shake of the clouds. In the southeast, expect a drizzle that's as if the heavens are weeping for the lost souls of Agadir. A touch of melancholy, but nothing a good brolly can't handle. Over in the Midlands, it'll be a bit like the aftermath of the quake, uh, with a cloudy sky that's trying to rebuild itself. But don't worry, there's no need to evacuate. Just a few scattered showers to keep things interesting. Up north, it's a different story. The winds will be howling like the mournful cries of those who lost their homes. Wrap up warm and brace yourselves for a bit of a gusty day. In summary, a touch of Moroccan history with a side of drizzle, cloudy skies and blustery winds. And that's all the weather. Seventeen o four. We now journey back to the annals of history, to the year 1704, when Queen Anne's War waged, a conflict that saw French and Native American forces clash with English colonists in Deerfield, Massachusetts. The result? A massacre, a grim chapter in history books where over 50 colonists perished and 112 others were taken captive to Montreal. Some captives were ransomed, others adopted by Mohawk families, and the event became known as the Deerfield Massacre, a part of the larger War of the Spanish Succession. And now to delve deeper into this historical event, we turn to our correspondent, Brian Bastable. As I emerge from the bombed-out bunker, shards of glass embed themselves in my neck, drawing blood like leeches. The screams of the wounded and dying fill the air. The sky is ablaze with fire and smoke, illuminating the horror of war in its rawest form. The ground beneath me trembles as bombs explode in the distance, their impact felt in my very bones. I run towards the sound of gunfire, heart pounding in my chest. The battle rages on, the air thick with the stench of death and fear. The clash of steel on steel echoes in my ears as I dodge bullets and debris. A soldier falls at my feet, eyes wide with terror, life draining away like water from a sieve. I stand over him, a lone figure in a sea of chaos, and report the scene as it unfolds. This is war, brutal, unforgiving, and unrelenting. The lives of these men and women reduced to statistics and headlines. The wind howls, carrying with it the cries of the dying. The stench of gunpowder and blood is overwhelming. I see a mother clutching her child, tears streaming down her face. The fear in her eyes is palpable, a reflection of the horrors she has witnessed. This is the reality of war, the senseless violence, the loss of life, the destruction of families and communities. And yet, in the midst of all this chaos, there is a sense of unity, of shared experience. We are all in this together, whether we like it or not. 
The bombs continue to fall, the bullets continue to fly. The sound of war is deafening, but I will not be silenced. I will continue to report to bear witness to the atrocities committed in the name of power and greed. This is my duty, my responsibility, to tell the story of those who cannot speak for themselves. And so I stand here in the midst of the battle and report the news. Brian Bastable, Newsbang, reporting live from the front lines of Queen Anne's War. Belgian author Misha de Fonseca's tale of Holocaust survival has been exposed as a literary forgery. Her memoir, Misha, a memoir of the Holocaust years, published in 1997, claimed to recount her experiences as a young Jewish girl. However, it has since been revealed to be a hoax. The book, translated into 18 languages, even inspired a French film, Survive avec les loups. The art of literary forgery deceives readers by presenting false or fabricated information as true. Now let's hear from our correspondent, Hardiman Pesto, for more on this developing story. I'm here in Brussels with the author Misha de Fonseca. Misha, your book was an international bestseller, translated into 18 languages. But now you've admitted it was a fake. Why did you do it? Well, Hardiman, I wanted to bring attention to the suffering of Jewish children during the Holocaust. By making my story more dramatic, I thought more people would pay attention. But making up a fake memoir isn't that unethical. And the movie based on your book even won awards. You're right, I apologise. I should not have lied, but I still stand by the message of highlighting Jewish suffering. Will you be returning the money you made from the fraudulent book sales? That seems only fair. No, actually, I won't be returning the money. I still wrote the book after all. Unbelievable. Even after admitting it was a fake, you still want to profit off these lies. Yes, I worked hard on that book. Just because it didn't all actually happen to me doesn't mean I don't deserve the royalties. Back to you, Martin. I'm speechless here with this unrepentant literary forger. Thanks, Pesto. I too am shocked by the audacity Ms. Defonseca is displaying here. Making up a phony Holocaust survival story for fame and fortune. Have you no shame? Look, the message is still valid, even if the details weren't strictly true. I did survive my own personal holocaust of hardship and suffering. Unbelievable. This woman has no remorse at all for her despicable lies. I think we're done here, Pesto. Back to you, Martin. What an unscrupulous charlatan this author turned out to be. A sad day for literature. A sad day indeed, Pesto. Cut her mic, we're finished with this fraud. 1944. We find ourselves in the midst of a grand historical chess match, as the year is 1944 and the Admiralty Islands campaign unfolds. American forces have set their sights on Los Negros Island, the third largest in the Admiralty Islands, as part of the larger Pacific War. This vast theatre of World War II stretches across Eastern Asia, the Pacific Ocean and Oceania, with Los Negros Island holding particular significance due to its main airport in Manus Province. As we delve deeper into this intricate web of conflict, we discover that the Admiralty Islands are but a piece of the Bismarck Archipelago, also known as the Manus Islands. To unravel the intricacies of this historical moment, we turn to our esteemed war historian, Bertrand Spitfire. In the Earth year of 1944, a pivotal event unfolded on a tiny speck of land in the vast Pacific Ocean known as Los Negros Island. Picture, if you will, an assortment of intrepid humans, the American forces, 
bravely launching an assault on this third largest island in the Admiralty chain, their mission to seize control of the island's main airport, a strategic gem nestled within the lush foliage of Manus province. This daring endeavor was part of the larger Admiralty Islands campaign, a theatrical production of its own within the grand cosmic drama known as World War II. The Pacific War, as it was called, was the largest theater of this global conflict, involving the Allies and the Axis powers in a game of cosmic chess that spanned from Eastern Asia to Oceania. The Admiralty Islands, a picturesque archipelago group in the Bismarck Archipelago, were the stage for this particular act. These islands, also known as the Manus Islands, were home to an intriguing array of flora and fauna, not to mention the occasional human settlement. But it was Los Negros Island that held the key to victory, with its airport serving as the proverbial golden ticket to control of the region. The American forces, armed with courage and an impressive array of military technology, fought valiantly against their foes. They battled through dense jungles, treacherous terrain, and the occasional irate marsupial, determined to secure their prize. In the end, their efforts paid off, and the island was wrested from the grasp of the enemy. This triumph marked a turning point in the Pacific War, demonstrating the resilience and determination of the human spirit. It also served as a reminder that even the smallest of islands can hold the key to victory in the grand game of cosmic conquest. So let us raise a glass to the brave souls who fought on Los Negros Island and to the enduring power of human ingenuity and perseverance. News Bang, a lonely light in the darkness of misinformation. Penelope Windchime takes the mic to discuss the Tokyo Skytree, now the world's tallest tower. She delves into the human ambition that drives such constructions and the environmental implications of these towering structures. Ah, my eco-enthusiasts! Penelope Windchime here, and what a day to be alive! On this very day in the year 2012, the Tokyo Skytree stretched its steel limbs towards the heavens, becoming the world's tallest tower at a neck craning 634 metres. It soared past the Canton Tower like an ambitious bamboo shoot on a growth spurt. But let us not forget, it's still just a sapling compared to the towering tree of life that is the Burj Khalifa, standing tall at 828 metres. These man-made forests of metal and glass reach for the sky as if to tickle the belly of Mother Earth herself. And while they may not provide oxygen or house our feathered friends, they do remind us that humanity's ambition knows no bounds, except perhaps when it comes to sustainable living. So tonight, as we gaze up at these giants among structures, let us ponder... Are we building towers to touch the stars, or simply piling stones on our own garden? Remember, every skyscraper starts with a single shovel of dirt. 
I'm Penelope Winchime, your voice in the wilderness of concrete jungles. We now delve into the year 1996, a veritable smorgasbord of the peculiar and the tragic. Polly Beep is here to guide us through this temporal roller coaster. Strap in, fellow time travellers. We're catapulting back to the year of 1996, and it's a doozy. Let's begin with a sombre note as we approach the Rodriguez Ballon International Airport near Arequipa, Peru. Tragically, Fawcett Flight 251 has crashed on its final approach, resulting in the loss of all 123 souls on board. A heartbreaking reminder of the fragility of flight. Now let's dive into some other peculiarities of this era. A mysterious traffic jam has appeared on the M25 near London. The culprit? A rogue elephant named Esmeralda, who has taken a liking to the asphalt and is leisurely strolling along the motorway. Over in the A1 near Newcastle, a massive game of musical chairs has broken out on the highway. Motorists are abandoning their vehicles and scrambling for new seats, resulting in a chaotic, stationary mess. Meanwhile, the A66 in Cumbria has transformed into a makeshift runway for a squadron of vintage Spitfires. Drivers are advised to remain alert for sudden takeoffs and landings. In the United States, the iconic Route 66 has been converted into a massive water slide. Thrill seekers are encouraged to bring their inflatable rafts and enjoy the ride, but please remember to wear sunscreen and helmets. And finally, in a bizarre turn of events, the entire city of Tokyo has been lifted off the ground by a fleet of giant helium balloons. Motorists are advised to navigate carefully and avoid any low-flying skyscrapers. Stay tuned for more updates from this wild and wacky trip through time. News bang, poking holes in the balloon of bullshit. 1980. In a quirky twist of journalistic tradition, the French satirical newspaper La Bougie du Sapeur, has been illuminating the minds of its readers every leap year since 1980. A true rarity in the world of publishing, this periodical appears only once every four years, making it the least frequently published newspaper in existence. As we leap into the future, this audacious publication continues to defy the odds, proving that satire, like fine wine, only improves with age. And now, to shed more light on this leap yearly publication, we turn to our roving reporter, Smithsonian Moss. Now at this point of the evening, we welcome listeners on FM who've just joined us. Wahoo, my culture vultures. It's Smithsonian Moss. And have I got a story that's as rare as a unicorn at a barbecue? Tonight we're talking about the one the only, La Bougie du Sapeur, the French newspaper that's more elusive than my ex-boyfriend's commitment. So, this newspaper, right? It's like the Halley's Comet of journalism, only popping up every four years on February 29th. That's right, it's leap year, baby. And that means La Bougie du Sapeur is back, serving up hot takes and satire that's aged like a fine wine in your grandma's cellar. Picture this. It's 1980, and some French geniuses are like, Let's make a newspaper, but let's make it fashion. 
And by fashion, I mean let's publish it once every presidential term. It's like the Olympics for news, but with more jokes and less doping scandals. Now this paper is the Sasquatch of the press world. It's so rare that when it does show up, people are like, is this real life or am I high on expired brie? And the content? Oh honey, it's like if Monty Python and Marie Antoinette had a baby and that baby was raised by sarcastic mime artists. But let's get real. The reason we're all here is that La Bougie du Sapeur is dropping its 10th issue. That's right, 10 issues in 44 years. Most of us can't even commit to a gym membership for that long, and these guys are out here committing to the long game of satire. So, what can we expect from this leap year's literary loot? Political puns that'll make you snort wine out your nose? Celebrity roasts that are spicier than a ghost pepper? Or maybe just a good old-fashioned lampooning of French society? Whatever it is, it's going to be more lit than a mime on fire at a silent disco. And remember, folks, if you miss this issue, you'll have to wait another four years, and by then, who knows? We could all be living on Mars, eating space cheese, and laughing at alien dick jokes. That's all from me, Smithsonia Moss, your queen of culture, signing off. Don't forget to leap into La Bougie du Sapeur, because it's here today, gone tomorrow, and won't be back until we're all a little older, a little wiser, or just a little more desperate for a laugh. News bang, slicing through the fog of misinformation with a machete of facts. And now, a final roundup of tomorrow's front pages before we close. The Times. Yanks and Aussies see off Japanese in New Guinea skirmish. There's a map there with arrows on it. The Guardian. Pink Floyd's moon turns dark. There's a free prism with every copy. And The Telegraph. Yellowstone Park Bison's home now official. There's a sketch there of a bison with a briefcase. That's it for tonight. On the day that a man who swallowed six plastic horses was described by his doctor as stable. And remember, the future is not what it used to be. Good night. Tune in next time for more artificially intelligent hilarity. Newsbang is a comedy show written and recorded by AI. All voices impersonated. Nothing here is real. Good night. <laughs>